0: Welcome to Next Gen Now with Rudina you your inside track to technology, innovation, and the startup world. Rudina Cesare, managing partner and co-founder of Glasswing Ventures, bridges listeners with the brain trust of the business world, speaking with early adopters and industry-leading innovators. Each week, she gives you a backstage pass to the people designing, building, and marketing the companies, products and services of the future. Now, WebmasterRadio.fm presents Next Gen Now with your host, Rudina Cesari. Thanks for
1: joining us. I'm Rudina Cesari, founder and managing partner at Glasswing Ventures, and I invest in early stage technology startups. You can follow me on Twitter at Rudina11, and for those of you who don't know, that is R-U-D-I-N-A and the numbers one and one. I welcome you, our listeners, to this edition of Next Gen Now. Today on the program, we will continue on our previously started theme around the Internet of Things. To date, we've spoken about how IoT applies to music and cars. And today, we will speak about our families and particularly about the use of connected things for babies and infants. I'm exploring this topic today with Jordan Monroe, co-founder of Outlet Baby Care. Jordan, welcome and thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks it's my pleasure.
1: So um jumping right in how did the idea of Owlet come about in 2013 what problem does it solve?
2: Yeah so you know my co-founders and I are, are are all parents and my co-founder Kurt was uh preparing to have his first child and watching how his aunt was actually physically sick from the stress that she was going through with her two premature twins that were born and you know his His wife had actually had a congenital heart defect as well when she was born. So he you know, kind of thought, man, how is there nothing better out there? And and we actually did product development together at a firm. And so we knew – we were kind of used to this, huh, there's a problem. Let's go solve it type mentality. And we were really surprised to kind of start searching and realize there's really nothing out there for parents that can alert in case your baby stops breathing. Um, There's – kind of old-fashioned audio monitors and movement monitors, but there's a reason they don't use movement and audio in, in the hospital. And and actually, the week before, he'd, he'd heard about this little light that we've all probably clipped on our finger that tells the doctor you're your breathing and your heart rate. Right. Um, it's called pulse oximetry. And that was one of those, uh, you know, kind of snap moments where he had the idea and, and we just started moving on it, so...
1: And so, how does the, it's, can you tell sort of our listeners how does the little sock work and where are you today, et cetera? Huh.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot's been done in three years. The beginning, actually, the story, I have to tell you guys this because it's really funny. We actually had put together, you know, a video of kind of the concept of Owlet. While well, we were still kind of validating the idea, we were doing, you know, surveys and things like that. But we put together a video to show people what this concept would be. Right. Um, and somehow, we accidentally got picked up by Mashable, and then Huffington Post picked it up, and then ABC Online picked it up, <laughs> and it went viral on us. Our website shut down. We had thousands of emails with people just just really wishing they could have the product. It got like 20,000 views in a weekend. And uh, that was probably the best validation for an idea that I've I've ever had. But people really wanted the product. And the the funny thing was, was nothing was even built yet. I mean, it was literally like a blinking light with like just attached to a battery that was used in a video, right? So that was was pretty funny to, I think, kind of look back and, and see that. But, you know, since then we've, We kind of bootstrapped it for the first year. We got a lot of grants from business plan competitions at universities all over, and um, that got us about 200K. And then we uh, went and did an accelerator program called Techstars, mm-hmm. uh, where we raised about, at the end of it, we raised about $1.85 million and began the the long march of product development. And, and actually before that, we actually had a version that we could have shipped and, and we were gearing up and ready to ship, but we kind of realized that we, we should wait and and get something better out there because it was it was not what it should be
1: so a couple of thoughts jordan i have i have a little daughter who's a toddler now but when she was a baby i used to be one of those moms i hate to admit it where i'd sneak in her room in the middle of the night to make sure she was breathing so i can totally see why your video would go viral with people kind of trying to buy peace of mind and of course you know cranking the video monitor in my room and all that fun stuff especially i think with your first child, if. When people have more than one, they kind of relax, I suspect. But yeah. the but the other piece is it's interesting that what is changing, especially with physical um, you know, connected devices and goods, because it's different than software, right? You've, you've got to have some sort of market validation. In your case, it was a video. Many, um, many companies out there are actually running crowdfunding campaigns. Did you think about doing any pre-selling of the product at all?
2: Yeah in the kind of uh, bootstrap phase we you know we look back and and it, it's funny to think what we thought we could we could do but we thought that we'd be able to ship in time and everything and I think we go into the bucket of many crowdfunding campaigns that just don't realize how much goes into it but uh, yeah we did a crowdfunding campaign we did about $300,000 worth on our own website we weren't this is before kickstarter allowed anything baby on their website so right. baby and health products weren't allowed so we did our own website and then after that we raised our our seed round which really got us the capital we needed to to produce a really quality product
1: By the way, it's fascinating because, you know, the company is only three years old, but you're already reflecting on the learnings. It's it's fascinating. Like, it's been a journey. Um, Oh, three-year journey, but it's been a journey and we've learned a lot. So um, competitive landscape, lots and lots and lots of products around baby and baby safety. How, How do you see yourself in that category and how will that category shake up anyway?
2: Yeah. I mean, so you've got movement monitors that have been around for a while that, you know, just basically sit on the baby's belly and, and alerts if, if the baby stops moving. But those are really well known for tons of false alarms. Average parent probably sees one to one point uh, or to like 0.9 uh, alerts a week. Um, whereas with Owlet, you know, we see a false alarm once every four months. Some users have never seen a false alarm on their product, right? So it's just incredibly more accurate than using something as like movement, right? And then I think everything else that's coming out is kind of like quantified self for your baby. They're similar in the fact that they're connected and they're using Bluetooth, but at the end of the day, they're solving a very, very different need, right? Yeah, anything else is really trying to... Give you too much data. And we're actually the different. We're trying to put friction between mom and the data. And we say actually less is more, which was interesting because when we were, I remember we were doing our seed round and everyone was saying, oh, add more data to it or tell them how many times they kicked in the middle of the night or how many heartbeats <laughs> they had in the middle of the night. And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, when you're a frazzled parent and you've got enough on your plate, you don't want to be sitting there trying to d- decipher numbers. You just want to know, you know, let me know if something goes wrong and let me live the rest of my day. And that's, that's really what Alex at its core providing, whereas a lot of other people are giving you something more to do.
1: And is your primary sort of, are you primarily problem solving the sudden um, infant death syndrome challenge or what what would the parent be buying peace of mind, you know, with this little connected sock?
2: Yeah. So there's a lot of confusion around what sudden infant death syndrome really is. And really at its core, sudden infant death syndrome is unidentified cause of death, right? So we can't claim to, uh, to prevent something that we don't know what's actually causing it at the end of the day. But just as big of a problem as sudden infant death is, is accidental suffocation, right? And this happens in the house. This is when your child, learns to roll over for the first time could be in the middle of the night, and right. we've actually already seen that we've alerted for when this has happened, but that actually has just as many infants passing away every year. We hope that we could be an early indication to infants that are passing away from SIDS or sudden Infant Death Syndrome, but there's just as big of a problem with accidental suffocations, which happen all the time, and 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 it's actually pretty crazy. There's actually 10 times as many infants that pass away from Accidental suffocations than from Mm -hmm. car accidents every year.
1: Wow. So, yeah. and what about um, the idea as a parent? I mean, you know, I, I play, in quote unquote, in technology. I partake in technology. I'm very focused in technology. But the average parent, of course, is surrounded by technology. But this idea of having a tiny little baby, having, you know, uh, I, I presume it's a sensor in the sock, but maybe you can tell us more about the product. But um, having this, you know, sensors in the sock and being Bluetooth connected all the time, um, We know, but we kind of don't know what the long-term impact of that is. I am sure you've gotten this question before as to what the downside of having um, the connectivity tied to the baby all the time Mm -hmm. could be.
2: Yeah, so our product uh, has the processing on the actual sock itself. And so it's actually not connected to Bluetooth constantly. Um, And so uh, we're not constantly sending those those radio waves. It's just when, you know, it's needed, it can send it. Um, And then the, uh, and it's only on for, you know, I think it's something like half of a millisecond or something like that. I mean, it's very quick when it is communicating. Um, So really it's, and and when that communication actually happens, it's it's one one hundredth of the uh, thing that you've got in your pocket or, you know, up to your ear, uh, which is just your cell phone. So it's actually very, very low amount of radiation. But uh, I think in this world where people have, you know, connected wristbands and basically everything we have is connected to Bluetooth somehow, that hasn't been as big of a concern as we originally thought it would be. We actually get a lot more questions about should it be blue or should it be pink or could, could I get a pink one uh, then <laughs> then
1: uh, yeah well so. then, i've got my priorities wrong um <laughs> so what about um and, and this is gonna sound silly but what about the reverse concern of someone making a case that they relied on um your sock and something happened to the baby and you didn't properly alert yeah i mean it's, it's kind of like the story of um, i got burned because i spilled the coffee but i'm gonna sue mcdonald's mm-hmm. um you you know why didn't you why didn't the sock cover me? I, I was sleeping in peace and did not get the right alert. Have you know again? I'm I'm assuming you've been in properly insured, but how do, how do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I I think uh, you hinted toward it, but I think for us that that's one of the biggest scariest failures. That we would see as an engineering team, and right. we see it as a potential PR problem as well, right? Um, we yeah. want to. So we've always shaded on the side of caution. So, but that is, you know, I guess when you get down to the brass tacks, that is, that is I guess, why you have insurance. But for us, it's that's what pushes us to, you know, make the product even more reliable, right? And I yeah. think we, we've kind of changed our mentality between you know, if it ever happens to when it happens, because it it will happen. I mean, we we can't catch every single little thing. And um, when you look at uh, car seats, I mean, car seats are able to cut it by 70%, right? But there's still 30% that have that issue. That
1: issue. No, uh, I agree. And it's also it's interesting because um, I would think that if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather go with false positives, mm-hmm. even if it gives a heart attack to the parents, rather than, and you don't want too many of those, but rather than, um, you know, cut corners, which I highly doubt you'll do to ensure that you're covered. So, where does the company grow? Well, how many units have you shipped, and where does the company go- grow from here?
2: Yeah, so we've shipped over 20,000 units. In the past few months. So and we've what do only costs cost, Two forty nine. Okay. Yeah. We've only uh yeah, it's only been available publicly since November. So that's been a lot of units in very little time. Um and what's really exciting is we've actually had ten events where Outlet has alerted when babies had stopped breathing or something was obstructing their breathing for some reason. Um so uh yeah.
1: Wow. And, and you have all those testimonials and that great stuff, I presume?
2: <laughs> yeah. Three of them you can find on our website. The other ones are getting videos finished up and you know getting planned out right now. So
1: Got it. Well, perhaps this is a good um, moment to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jordan
0: Monroe of Owlette. Thank you. Next Gen Now will return, staying ahead of the technology curve, after a word from our sponsors. Are
2: you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com.
3: So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com
0: We're back with more Next Gen Now, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Rudina Cesare. Welcome back to NextGen Now. I'm
1: Rudina Cessieri and I'm joined by Jordan Monroe. And we've been speaking about Outlet, the little sock that saves babies' lives. How's that for a tagline, um, Jordan?
2: <laughs> we, we should bring you into our marketing team. That's great.
1: <laughs> um, so listen, let's shift gears a little bit about how does one think these days around, you know, capital and funding, especially as we've entered, again, this era of physical goods where you're not just focused on software and you're just, you know, and on the other side of the spectrum, you're not building these big hardware platforms, but you're somewhere in between. You have to worry about inventory and physical goods but this yeah, and, and software and data. Is beyond the hey, I'm launching this business because I see or Kurt saw the pain point in the market. H- how do you think about the business and its capital requirements?
2: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot harder thing to start than your your typical app, right? I mean, we have we have uh, the difficult parts of having electronics, flexible electronics that have low yield rates, um, and then also you know medical grade. Uh, accuracy of our product and having to shrink that down we have so we have electronics we have flexible electronics we have uh fabric uh so you know soft goods that you have to worry about um and then you've got the whole big data aspect and there's there's tons of data we have to manage and then we've got the app and then we've got a web you know, a web service, there's, uh, there's so many things, whereas a lot of companies are just an app or just an electronic piece. And there's literally, or just a, you know, data play. Um, And we've kind of got all of it. But I think that, you know, it's, it's a big difficulty, but it's also a big benefit, right? Um, I feel like every time I go to CES, I, it's a, it's a preview as what's to come the next year, right? I remember one yep. year there was like one dog tracker. I we was like, whoa, you could track your dog. And then <laughs> like the year after there's like 30 dog trackers. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. really, you know, something that's just measuring movement, connecting to a phone. I mean, that's, you know, not, not as intense. What we're creating is extremely intense. It has to be extremely accurate. And, uh, and it's, it takes capital requirements. So it, it's one, it's really hard, but two, it also allows uh, you know lowering uh, competition, which is a good thing.
1: Well, yeah, exactly, because you know flipping it on its head, the capital-intensive business it, that is well-funded, and if the product performs, all of a sudden the, it's become a barrier, a double barrier to entry. So, yeah. so that is absolutely the case. Um, but you make an you make an interesting point though. Um, do you think it will be a single product company and or will you focus, will babies be your focus and you will have multiple products down the road? What's the big vision when you sold um, Formation 8 on investing in you guys for the Series A? What's the big vision? You know, two pairs of socks for each baby uh, throughout the world or some other, you know, some other combination of a product set?
2: Yeah. So, you know, when when we look at what is there or what the big vision is, it really is similar to the car seat. And I brought up that example a few times, but you look at the history of a car seat, you know, in seven years, it went from mandated in one state to be mandated in every single state in the United States or no, being invented to mandate in every single state in the United States. Right. Yep. That was in 1979 in a less connected world that now we look at it and say, wow, that would be very irresponsible. Like you think about the pain of using a car seat, you, your child screams at you when you put them in, like they're, they'd rather <laughs> be about it. holding, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's still, it's, a lot smaller problem when you consider the problem that we're solving and we look at it that three to five years from now every single baby will come home from the hospital with some type of health monitor on we want that to be outlet because you know we are solving a really big issue and there's a lot of lives and families that can be changed because of it and we just don't see a future where every single parent uh doesn't come home with something like this whether by choice or or becomes mandated or or something to that effect but uh you know, that that's kind of the big vision. And then the question is, from there, where do we go, right? We've got this one product on, and kind of on every single baby in the United States, and we've got all this data about uh, the infant. Uh, we can go up uh, toward kind of the wellness category and just like we can be the world's leading expert on sleep, right? In which we, as far as infants go, we have the largest data set of infant sleep data that's ever been made already, right? It's only been a few months. Right. Um, or we could go the... Other direction on and talk and be medical, right? Um, right, exactly. You know, there's half a million babies that are born in the NICU every single year or that have to go to the NICU every single year. You know, if we could, sh- that's, it costs the NICU about $5,000 a day to have a baby in there. So there's a $5 billion problem right there that sure, also do, needs do you to be solved.
1: Have, does the sock, does your product need to have any HIPAA compliance, any regulatory compliance that it needs to adhere to?
2: Yeah, our current product um is a consumer device and so for right. our consumer device there's there's no need for it. But we actually have filed uh to the medical FDA Medical grade, hospital for grade another version, correct, yeah, for a separate version of the product that is uh you know, medical grade and and so that this can occur and that we can, you know, kind of
1: I have to tell you, change, my instinct, so. and, and, and don't tr- ever trust the VC, we're wrong most of the time, so here I go. But my instinct is that you're more like the thermometer than you are like the car seat. Um, some parents may compromise on the car seat, but no parent worldwide compromises on having a thermometer at home. Mm -hmm. and and including the hospital-grade thermometers. So listen, can we shift gears a little bit about um, to talk more about you as a founder and the startup? You're located in Provo, Utah. Tell me about the startup ecosystem. I know little about what's going on there.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, per capita, we actually have the most dollars raised, but that's out of, I think it's like 15 companies uh, out of Salt Lake City and Provo. But per capita, we raised the most dollars. you know domos come out of here, Omniture was acquired for two billion out of here. Bre right. was acquired for two billion and Qualtrics has a billion dollar valuation there's There's a lot of companies just in the, literally the past five years, but um, there's a lot of talent in the um around here, but it was difficult to I think raise money for our seed round um you know, from investors, we had investors from New York that said we won't do it unless you live in New York, and some people from San Francisco that said we won't do it unless you're in San Francisco or one of those two cities, right. um, because recruiting talent is is a big issue. And so far, we haven't we haven't seen that pain, and and we think that we can grow the company just like those other billion dollar companies uh, here as well. But uh, it is a bit difficult, I think, uh, for a first time founder fundraising in in a different an outside of the one of those two poles uh, to raise money.
1: But you know what's great about a first-time founder that um,
2: you don't know wow. any better. <laughs>
1: exactly the naivete. Actually, that's exactly right because I think that naivete drives quite a bit of a disruption. Your worldview yeah. has not been affected, and then you down the road hire the wrong, the right people. One hopes to drive then the the adoption. So you can disrupt. There's actually a lot of value um, in being a first-time founder, I believe. But um, and so, how big is the company now? people yeah.
2: Like yep yeah so we are about 45 people right now wow so yeah
1: and and i noticed you, your title is co-founder so you're speaking a lot about products i'm assuming you're on the product side but is are you not giving yourselves other titles by choice or is it sexier to just be called a co-founder what's up with that title
2: oh i you know <laughs> i i cover a lot of things i used to be cmo as well and i spent a lot of time on the marketing side and and product, kind of handling both. But, you know, my, my title moves, so I uh, or it evolves over time. And so you know I got to a point where I said, you know, we need to hand off the marketing to someone who's done this time and time again. And, and we brought in some amazing talent there. And so, I mean, it, there was at one point where the three of us were, you know, we were the entire company. And sometimes we look back and say, wow, there's 50 people. And we used to do every single one of those jobs, right? Yep. And how did we ever do that? But, uh well, yeah, so yeah, I focus on product.
1: Well, let me tell you this. If you think you have a lot of learnings that you've, you know, undergone and could share in three years, imagine when and if we talk again four and five and 10 years from now. Yeah. So listen, we're just about out of time. If there are any couple final thoughts that you'd like to impart on, on me and our audience and our listeners, what would those be?
2: You know i think I think the most important thing if there's any i think entrepreneurs out there is to just get started a lot of people you know the the cost to start a company is going down and down and down and down, and yet the amount of companies coming out isn't you know isn't matching that rate as which it's coming down. I think it's because there's still there's always this fear to get something started or or you know to make the leap and there's nothing funner than than doing something that you really care about and and creating value out of nothing. And so I'm guessing you have a lot of entrepreneurs and people who want to become entrepreneurs and uh, tell them just go get started and go do it because it's a lot of fun.
1: Make the leap and you'll be happy. Well, with that, we're out of time. I would like to thank Jordan Monroe for joining me today and my producer Brasco who makes this show possible. And of course, I thank you, our listeners, for partaking in this edition of Next Gen Now. New episodes of Next Gen Now air Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. If there is a topic you'd like for me to cover, please tweet me at Rudina11. That's R-U-D-I-N-A and the numbers one and one. I'm Rudina Ciceri, and I look forward to speaking with you next time right here on Next Gen Now.